be your baby Yes, I'll be whatever that you tell me when you're ready Yes, I'll be your girl, forever your lady You ain't never got a word, I'm down for you, baby uh, Best believe that, when you need that I'll provide that, you will always have it I'll be on deck, keep it in check When you need that, I'ma let you have it Welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Fascinating week. The second of the brace of wins against Real Madrid. It's going to be absolutely fantastic to listen to my two guests talk about this and several other interesting topics as well. But let's not get into that without introducing them in order of seniority, as I have been told always to do. Not by these two guys, but a couple of our followers. Let's begin with... Colin Savage, a.k.a. Prestwich Blue. He is a writer for King of the Kipaks, and he is a member of the City Matters Committee. So he's got his ear pretty close to what's going on there, and we're just going to welcome him and thank him for coming on. Uh, Colin, thanks for coming on, and how are you? How have you been doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I've got a week off, so um, obviously not going anywhere can't, in the current circumstances, but just nice to have to t- be able to turn the alarm off and do one of these, uh, you know, in the early afternoon rather than late at night. Yeah, how does that feel? I would like to know how that feels, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. But I'm sure the week will go far too quickly. <laughs> I'm sure that you have guessed that we also have the other member of this fire and water duo, and that is Ray from City Fan TV. Um, Ray, how are you doing and what have you been up to? I'm all right. Uh, it's been obviously very, very busy in uh, in YouTube land and social media because of the build-up to the Real Madrid game uh, and then the aftermath of the Real Madrid game. All City fans are overjoyed. Uh, everybody else seemingly telling us that Madrid are a poor team and City were lucky to play a poor team. And we might get onto that later. Um, but it's been very, very busy. And now uh, getting trying to have a couple of days off uh, without doing too many videos and hopefully um we won't release any new transfers this week that was a bit of a surprise to get the two early transfers um last week and so that kept us busy and hopefully this week we'll have a couple of days off uh, and then start building up to leon next weekend okay opening comment stroke question for colin savage colin it seems that a lot of journalists these days have been trying to follow the lead of people like barney roney 
um, who tries to combine sports reporting with poetry, a little bit like the Anfield rap. But let me let me tell you this. Uh, let me read to you this extraordinary preamble that you got on the Guardian um, website before the game started. Now listen to this. <laughs> let me have your comments. So this was at. 5.32 in the afternoon, and this was the preamble to the game. Let me read. It says, Hello. Now, who fancies a bit of hate sex? Vicarious metaphorical hate sex, that is. If so, you should follow Manchester City's libidinous pursuit of the Champions League, a competition run by an institution they loathe. It has become a bit of an odyssey over the last nine years, but it will be all worth it if they win the final a fortnight on Sunday. Quite poetic, Colin. What do you think? I'm thinking, how many journalists are the Guardian looking to lay off in the near future? <laughs> it's fascinating. Ray, what's your reaction to that? <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm lo- I'm actually almost speechless, lost for words, because that is just, can I say it, the, some of the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. I've, I've not read this story, you know, and probably just as well because <laughs> I, I, I might have a few choice words to say to him on social media. It's absolutely pathetic. I mean, as Colin says, you know, there's, there's a few too many journalists out there. They need to be looking over the shoulder. Um, and, you know, if, if they, if they think this is what the, the public want and this is what's going to make the Guardian some money, then I think Mr. Roney will be, um, you know, walk into the doll office in, in a very short space of time. All right, lads, let's talk yeah. about the... Uh, I was going to say, I mean, it, Colin, sorry. the Guardian carries on like that, and it's going to be down to one man and his dog in a, in a room above a mini-market somewhere in a dodgy part of London. <laughs> and that one man won't <laughs> be David Conn. That one man won't be David Conn. It is sixth form stuff, guys, sixth form stuff. Uh, anyway, guys, um, so here we go into the, the second game against Real Madrid, this time at the Etihad and truly the empty had stadium because of coronavirus. Let me run you through the team lineup and let's get the guys' uh, reactions to the lineup. So here we go. First of all, Ederson and then Kyle Walker. Fernandinho preferred to Garcia as a partner for Laporte and then Cancelo on the left. Kevin De Bruyne, Rodri, who was substituted right at the end by Otamendi. I thought that he had, he had, he had left already, but he's still there. Gundogan, Sterling, and uh, David Silva relieved him for nine minutes at the end. Phil Foden, who is replaced by someone we'll talk about a little bit later, Bernardo Silva, on the 67th minute. And finally, Gabriel Jesus. And um, guys, if you're listening, could you please? I'm, I'm saying this to all City pods and anyone I can say. Guys, it's time that we started pronouncing his name correctly. I don't know how many pods I've listened to. Sorry, this is a little bit of a mic rant where I've heard City fans, seasoned City fans saying Jesus or the lazy and rather sarcastic Jesus. I don't know who they think that they're amusing. His name is Gabriel Jesus, and he played a prominent role in this game. But anyway, let's start off with um, Colin first and say, Colin, what did you think of the lineup? Did you Were you in favor of Fernandinho displacing uh, Garcia? And uh, the other picks that Pep made, we were all wondering whether we'd overthink this. But what were your thoughts? Um, yeah, it was a, a, f- a few minor surprises in there. Fernandinho was one of them. I thought he might have put in uh, Otamendi to counter the threat of Benzema. Because I, I don't think we cope particularly well with Benzema, as we'll talk about throughout the game. But um, 
So, so I thought Otamendi might have been in there as first choice. Uh, Cancelo at, at, at left back was again a little bit of a, a little bit of a surprise, but it, it seems to be becoming his position now. Um, and and it, I thought again we'll talk about that. He had quite a decent game there. And I, I think the other uh, no surprise in midfield whatsoever. No surprise with Sterling and uh, Jesus up front. Phil mm-hmm. Bowden as a false nine was a, a bit of a shock, I guess. Mm-hmm. But again, worked very very well. So. I think one of my overriding thoughts was we've often talked about Pep overthinking these Champions League games. Uh, and he's come up with a, a formation which kind of defies logic, belief, and, you know, p- perhaps it has a, a certain logic to it, but not anything that made sense in the course of the game. But but this one, he absolutely got right. I, I think there's absolutely no question. He had, maybe he's obviously thought a bit about it. He's not overthought it. He's not tried to do anything particularly clever or stupid. He's done. He's picked a very sensible lineup, and it worked very, very well. Well, Ray, I think Colin perhaps might be in a group of one who thought that Otamendi would start. <laughs> um, but yeah, no Mares, no David Silva, no, no Bernardo Silva. What did you think of the lineup, Ray? Well, to be honest, uh, I picked ten of the eleven, and the the eleventh, I was half and half. And, um, I picked, I picked Mares instead of, uh, Foden, but, uh, I did talk a lot about, uh, it, it, prior to the game about the fact that Foden brings energy. He brings, uh, an energy that nobody else possesses because he's a City fan. You see it every time he plays, he, he has that motivation. And for the way Pep set up, and it was, uh, one thing I said, I wanted Pep to do something slightly different. I didn't want it to be, uh, so obvious like the game against Arsenal where we picked our best side but it was just too obvious and too predictable um, uh, and what Pep did here I mean anybody you you think if Gabby Jesus is on the pitch well he's going to be up front isn't he but actually he was playing on the left um, something I've been calling for for ages and then because he was on the left Sterling was on the right and then Foden in the middle now people have been putting up a stat that Foden ran something like 9 kilometres is that right? in um, 63 minutes uh, that yep. was on the pitch. It was an incredible amount of running. And and the thing was, um, what I really enjoyed about these three, it was the pressure they put on the Madrid back line. And I think Pep, he, he, he overthinks things. If it works, it's fantastic. If it doesn't work, he's an idiot. That's what people say. And I, I think that's a little bit harsh. Um, but the pressure we put on that back line, it caused the mistakes, it created goals, it created a lot of chances. And there was far too often from Madrid's uh, point of view, they had nobody to pass to. They were passing it around between the centre-backs and the goalie, and occasionally they pass it out wide. I think from the kickoff, they had about almost 100 seconds where we never touched the ball. They were just passing it around. But it wasn't dangerous at all. And we were putting the pressure. You could see it. Um, and the first time that um, Courtois tried to hit it out wide to one of the full-backs, who was... Um, um, probably 30, 40 yards up, up the pitch, but out right on the touchline. He overhit it, went out. So the pressure did tell. And I, I love that. The Fernandinho, I thought he'd play Fernandinho just because the way he can read the game. Um, Garcia has been targeted in recent games by uh, opposition, um, attacks. And I just think Fernandinho's better on the ball. And we were going to need that for, for the, to avoid the real Madrid press. And also because I think Fernandinho can move into midfield. If he needs be, if, for instance, Gunduan and Rodri push up, Fernandinho can just move into midfield as well at the base of the midfield. Uh, so I thought he covered all the bases in Cancelo. That was as, uh, you know, it was so obvious with Mendy, um, not being, um, with Mendy being suspended. 
and the fact that uh, Concello played the last two games of the season at left back. So um, I thought, and the way he played going forwards, he did the business for me in those two games and again against Madrid. Colin Savage, I thought it was a little bit less sophisticated than Ray outlined, and a lot of people also asked this question on Twitter. Was it, was it not a simple case of when you tell everyone that you're not renewing your contract, then you don't get picked? Or is that too simple? Regarding Garcia. Uh, it, may, it may be too simple, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, perhaps if Garcia had been renewing his contract, it might have been different. But um, I, I still understand. I agree with Ray. Probably Fernandinho's experience was probably the reason. I, I don't think he's a great defender, but we know we don't have to defend that often. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure you'd have played Garcia uh, against Real Madrid. You'd have started him against Real Madrid, regardless of the contract situation. But yeah, I mean, he's made his bed and he's got a lie on it now. So yeah. I would have wanted to see Garcia up against Benzema under pressure early on. You know, he's 19 years old. Um, <laughs> there's a lot riding on it. And um, you know, as, as Colin said, Fernandinho, he's what, 34, 35? He's got bags of experience. He knows what he's doing. Um, and, uh, you know, he, 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 like Colin said again, he might not be the best defender in the world. But I, I can remember back to, I, I talk about this a lot, the, the Crystal Palace game away where we had Rodri and Fernandinho as our centre-backs. Uh, Garcia was on the bench and we had, I think, Otamendi on the bench as well. And what Pep went with those two because... He knew, he, he worked out the game. Um, Palace were going to sit back and we needed these guys to start bringing the ball out and, and making the passes. So it's like you had two DMs, as they would be, but playing a centre-back so they could bring the ball out. And I just think it was the same against Real Madrid. We needed that control at the back. We needed to be able to pass it under their pressure. Uh, and I think we, we did that really, really well in this game. Well, Colin, um, because of the magnitude of this game and the opponents, I think we um, we would do a disservice without going through Real Madrid lineup. We've got Thibaut Courtois, Dani Carvajal, Varane, uh, Eder Militao, um, the, 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 the good Mendy, that's Ferland Mendy, <laughs> um, Luka Modric, Casemiro, who's, be, who has been in fantastic form, uh, Tony Cruz, Rodrigo, who was sub for Asensio, the guy that scores those incredible goals. If you look through his, um, YouTube, um, profile, Karen Benzema, and then Eden Hazard. Um, that gave me a little he, bit of hope. He's in hope Hazard. Guys. Did he play? I didn't realise he was playing. <laughs> well, right. But guys, um, Colin, also, one of the things that, that meant that I couldn't really enjoy the game without a lot of nerves was I looked at their bench. And on their bench, they had Nacho. They had Marcelo. They had Ferri Val- Valverde. They had Luka Jovic. They had Asensio. They had Isco, the guy who's always linked with this. They had Vinicius Jr., and I was thinking, my goodness, they've got just the kind of level of depth on their bench that we do. What did you think of their lineup? And um, Colin, was that pretty much what you thought? That was how how you thought they'd line up. Um, yes and no. Um, I'm surprised that um, Isco didn't start in place of Hazard, who's obviously been out injured for a while. Yeah, I think that's that a bit of a head scratcher. That was a head scratcher. Uh, um, Bit surprised Vinicius Junior didn't come on because uh, I think he's a dangerous player. Uh, Lukijovic, uh, you know, he's got a reputation, but he's not actually doing that much in terms of goal scoring. So, um, you know, yeah, um, playing starting Hazard, I think probably helped us a little bit. 
but I didn't think he was going to do much, given the amount of time he's had out. And and to be fair, he was a bit busy in the first few minutes, but he soon faded. Uh, so I'm quite surprised that Isco didn't come on, you know, mm. around the 60-minute mark for Hazard. But, but you know, um, you know it's not, that's not our problem, is it? But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're phenomenally strong team. It was interesting, actually, because... You know, it shows the quality of football journalism that someone had put it was an aging real Real Madrid team. Oh, that was when, it, when in fact the average age of the starting eleven of the subs was actually lower than ours. Ray, was there not some City youth player who transferred to Real Madrid a, a, a year or two ago that you might have expected to at least have been on the bench? That's why, after all, why he left Man City. I wouldn't, I honestly, I wouldn't have expected um, him to be on the bench. You're talking about Brahim Diaz, who left last yeah. uh, January. In order to a, get more game time, Ray. Well, I think, um, look, he, he, I think he's a Real Madrid fan, boyhood fan. Um, and he probably looked at it and said, I might as well be sat on their bench than Man City's bench. Um, or why, you know, I need why? to go back to my home club and, and, and have a chance there. It's, and it's always going to happen. It's happening. It happens with players. They want to, if they're not, um, if they're not boyhood fans, or if they're not really been sold on a club and they've been here long enough to for it to be embedded, if they get the opportunity, you know, they'll leave. Look at Fab- I think Fabregas went back to Barca. Um, you, you, this talk of Eric Garcia going to Barca, people will go back to where, um, where, where they've come from um, if they see the uh, leaving as a stepping stone to coming back even in a stronger position. Um, so Brahim Diaz, to be honest, I would have been surprised if he'd been on the bench because, um, he's really not, um, he's really not done it at Real Madrid. I mean, I mean, Real Madrid is so strong, so strong that they didn't even need to bring Gareth Bale. They didn't even make the trip. So that's how strong they are. So they are, whatever anybody says, um, they're still a strong side who won 10 games on the bounce after the restart, 10 games on the bounce, uh, to overhaul Barcelona and win La Liga. So they, they must have been in decent form. To, to win 10 games on the bounce. It's funny that, Ray, that they didn't bring Gareth Bale because I had a little bit, I had one of those <coughs> daydreams, not a, not a, not a nightmare, but one of those daydreams when you, when you take a little nap on your sofa. And I imagined in my fevered state that Gareth Bale would be brought in, um, for this. It was never going to happen, really, wasn't it? Be- no. Because of the animosity with uh, Zidane. But, um, I, I, I think that if he had, uh, brought um, him on, he would have done something against us because that's just what happens. Guys, if you've been following City for years, you'll know that we play teams, we play players into form. That's just what we do. <laughs> um, but um, it didn't happen. Um, let me ask, let me turn to Colin Savage and say, uh, Colin, a lot of focus was on central defenders on both sides. And we had uh, two players, I think that um, a lot of people's focus was on. First of all, Raphael Varane, who hitherto, I think most City fans would have killed to have in our team. And of course, the other issue was on Garcia and the fact that it looks like he's going off to Barcelona. Question. Um, what did you think about Varane's overall performance, notwithstanding the two gaffes? Number two, is he really the new Mangala? And uh, number three, um, do you think Garcia will leave, having announced that he's going to leave, do you think he will leave 
at the end of this season, or will he see out his contract? Now, if you've got trouble remembering those three questions, I can remind you. Let's talk about central defenders, because there's something I want, want to say in this, which you didn't mention. A lot of fuss was made about Barcelona, um, Real Madrid missing Sergio Ramos. And of course, you're always going to miss a player like that in the way can we... I give, can I give you a quick statistic? Yeah. In Europe, in before this game... The six games that Ramos, with his beard, was not playing, they lost five of them. Yeah, um, it, it, it's what we used to say. I mean, Vincent Company just having him on the field, even if he didn't have the great, greatest performance as a central defender, um, he was worth something to us. So, you, but then you know, we were missing. We were playing a, an aging midfielder in central defence, uh, and 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 Ramos. We played in that 2-1 in Madrid. And in fact, if we got that free kick on target, if he'd waited a second longer, it would have been 3-1 because of him. So, you know, it's just that kind later of, Supporting them from the sidelines. It, 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 yeah. I mean, again, it's a you know lazy narrative from the media. Yes, Ramos is important to them. But, you know, the Real Madrid, you know, if you can't find a replacement for Ramos, uh, Ramos and as you say, Varane, um, uh, you, you know, we'd have killed to have uh, Varane in the team. And just remind me of something else, actually. Um, you know, we, we know Varane's a, you don't, you don't get to play for Real Madrid unless you're a very good player. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't see how you can leave out the mistakes, but he had a poor game. He, uh, well, he had a nightmare game. It's probably the worst game he's ever had at that sort of level. Um, and yeah. I think as Ray said, that's, be, that's be cut largely because of what we did to them. Because they right. have much, in La Liga, they have much more time on the ball. They've never been they pressed not, like that before. No, no, no. They've never been pressed like that before. You could see it in the first goal, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, he thought he had much more time than he did. And throughout the game, you know, and it wasn't just being caught on the ball. It was not knowing what to do with it. Um, the number of false, pa- you know, a number of um, misplaced passes. Um, just, it, it was very interesting. What, watching them trying to play out. From the back, because we have that off pat, obviously. I mean, Pep does that, you know, in his, we can do that in our sleep. But they just didn't have the same setup. We see it sometimes in the Premier League. Teams try to play out from the back, but you've got to do it as an all team thing. It's got to be, there's got to be 11 men involved in that. And I think they had, uh, uh, Tony Cruz and Modric so far up the pitch. Um, they didn't have an out. So, so it was like playing across the back. Then you've got a hoof it. And the interesting thing that came out of that game, and, and it kind of reflects on the Real Madrid central defence was that the number of times we went long, in fact, we scored, scored the second goal from going long. But um, there was a great piece by um, a guy on Twitter called One Nil. I think he's an Indian guy. Uh, and he wrote on me, uh, not a City fan, I don't, I don't believe he's a City fan. He wrote a great piece on Medium.com uh, about three big things that came out of the game. And one was the number of times that Edison went long. And, uh, of course, you know, Edison is the ace of playing it out from the back. And we know we can go long, but he did it far more than he did. And it, it was interesting because I think the reasoning behind that was, I remember Pep saying a while back that one thing he wasn't used to in the Premier League was picking up the second ball. So, you know, a lot of teams will play the ball long. It will get cleared by the, the defenders, but we'll pick up the second ball. And we did that. So, you know, Gabby Jesus, Foden, Sterling, they ain't the biggest lads. They, you aren't going to win headers against the likes of Varane um, and, and Militao. But the number of times, because they were so high up the pitch, we were filling that gap. We were picking up the second ball every time. So, again, um, I kind of, Varane did not have a very good game. 
even Militao was the better of the two. Didn't have a great game. But that was largely because of the pre- A, the pressure we were putting them under, and B, they didn't have this kind of support. They didn't have the outlet that we have when we're in a similar situation. Now, what else was the question? Well, Ray, maybe you could comment on this one. A lot of uh, tweets on Twitter saying, is Varan the new Mangala? Well, I didn't know that. I know that there was about Koulibaly and that pretty, as well. Pretty hard, pretty harsh. It was harsh. Look, uh, I try and remind p- p- people that players can have a bad game. We only see them now and again. And you're making a decision. And people had, we'll talk about Koulibaly later. And they had to go at him. People make mistakes. I mean, if you watched, for instance, I'll give you one game. If you watched just um, the Champions League quarterfinal, second leg tie last season, Man City versus Spurs, um, and, and if, if you knew nothing about him and you watched uh, Emeric Laporte play, you'll say, he, oh, that's, that's, isn't he the white Mangala? He can't control the ball. So just because someone's had a bad game, I think it's harsh um, to pick on them. And especially when we don't see them play week in, week out. We knew last season that it was an aberration, that game from uh, Laporte, because he's absolutely fantastic the rest of the season. So we don't know. I've not been watching Real Madrid every week in, week out to see how Varane's been playing or Napoli to see how Koulibaly's been playing. Um, so I think that's a, a little bit harsh. He's a quali- he is a quality defender that I think more City fans would, would give their right arm for Varane. Same way with Koulibaly. A lot of City fans would give their right arm for Koulibaly. Then they have a bad game and then it's easy just to slag him off. I think that's uh, a, a tad unfair. Um, but uh, going on what, uh, just kind of echoing what Colin said, the one thing for, that, with that press that City were doing, there was no out ball. There was no out ball. We'd see, like I said, that first 100 seconds, they were just passing it around. And they were looking for people to pass to. And there was no one to pass to, so they'd have to pass it back to the keeper. And then the keeper would end up launching it. Um, and, and that, we had so many mistakes from Courtois, from, and, and the other defenders. They were, they were just giving us the ball and, and we created so many opportunities from that. It was, it was laughable. And I think um, when we talk about Edison launching it forward, he launched it forward something like 24 or 26 times, which is an incredible amount in a game uh, for Man City. But it just bypassed the the Real Madrid press. Um, and it just made me think they'd, they'd got it wrong because they didn't learn. They didn't learn that when they were pressing us, they were leaving sometimes two on two. And we were leaving Gabby Jesus and um, Raheem Sterling up, up top, who were, you know, they might not be the tallest, but they are pretty quick. And they, are, they do cause trouble, and, and Gabi Jesus did that himself for, from a, for the second goal. So I think you know, if you, if you want to be honest, um, Zidane was—we find out he was mortal. You know, he, he's not lost a Champions League knockout game before. He's won this competition was it three times out of three, or three times out of four. Um, he's been absolutely fantastic as Zidane, but he was out thought, and he didn't think. But by Pep, and he did it in in, in the actual inter game thinking during the game. He didn't get it right. He didn't make the changes that were needed um, to stop what City were doing. And I just thought we got we got stronger and stronger as the game got on. Well, guys, um, it was quite interesting the the spectacle um, at the stadium. You had uh, Real Madrid in this all salmon coloured, dare I say, pink kit, looking like a bunch of girls. One of the first comments that was made on social media was. Uh, in the first few minutes, actually, and uh, I'm just quoting to you here from the BBC, and they said, um, shocking mistake, shocking mistake from the usually immaculate Raphael Varane. He was faffing around. I'm, I'm not saying this myself. I'm quoting. He was faffing around in his own area, passing the ball back and forth with Courtois. 
in the sophisticated style when he had his front pocket picked by Jesus. He squared the ball to Sterling, who slid it into the net from eight yards a few minutes later. They were not quite prepared for that level of disciplined and organized press. Would you say that that would be a good sort of summary of what happened in the first half, Colin? Uh, yes, um, I would say it w- was a good summary. I-, I mean, if you watch that very closely, Varane actually shows too much of the ball. Um, he-, he puts it ahead of himself, and Gabby Jesus did brilliantly to to nip it, get, you know, to pick his pocket, nip in, and square it for Sterling. But you know, you've got you've got to question Zidane here and say, should they have been surprised at the amount of pressing they came under? Because it's not like it's not something we don't do every week. Um, you know, that, that that would have been, did he expect us to sit back and, you know, have everyone bar Sterling and, and Jesus, uh, you know, in our own half? That, that was never going to be that way. Um, and, and they weren't prepared for it. Um, that's his fault as a manager. What, would your, what were your thoughts on the first goal, Ray? Um, he summed it up there. I mean, Varane was looking for someone to pass to. He looked in ahead of him. There was nobody to pass it to, or they were marked. It was, you know, and, it, and you know, especially on the continent, you're taught to, to, to keep the ball. You know, you're not there to hoof it unless you're in extreme danger. But they should have known in the first few minutes the way we were playing. I think they were relying on Mara's playing. Mara's would not have pressed the way Fordham pressed. Um, and, I think they were just flummoxed with Gabby J playing on the left, Raheem on the right. You know, they would have expected something totally different. I mean, most City fans said, you know, when they saw the line, uh, our, our lineup, they said, well, Fordham play on the right, Sterling on the left, Gabby J in the middle. And I bet you um, um, Zidane and the players thought the same. And it was just totally different to that. And the energy that Fordham put in, um, you know, covering such a, an incredible amount of distance in the short time he was on, was something that Mares wouldn't have given you, and you can see why what the plan was, and it just flummoxed them, and they didn't didn't think during the game, you know, they didn't think that. Hang on, we're under a lot of pressure far too often. We're giving the ball away far too often, cheaply, and then we're levering it up the pitch when we're in danger, and it happened time and time again. Uh, I just thought it was Paul from Real Madrid and Varane. You know, as I said, he was looking up who can I pass it to, who can I pass it to. He had too many touches, and. Um, and um, Gabby nipped in, passed it to Sterling, and uh, he slipped it in. It was it was a cracking start, and um, I've got to be honest, I was screaming for probably about fifteen or twenty seconds after that ball went in because I just knew that was a, that was a big goal for City. It was a huge goal because uh, Real Madrid needed two just to get uh, it, to, it to extra time. So it was a huge, huge goal for us. It took a bit of pressure off us as well because uh, you know obviously if Real Madrid score first, huge pressure on City because if we lose two 0 we're out. So I think that that helped us um, ease into the game a lot better. Well, Colin Savage, they were given a lifeline. It was probably about 15 minutes later. It was Karen Benzema who started a move, a little short pass to Rodrigo. And this is on the right, just outside the area. Well, newspaper reports say that he poked the ball past Cancelo and put a fine cross up to the six-yard line. Many people on Twitter were saying that um, Rodrigo absolutely skinned Cancelo. And, of course, Benzema arrived to score the second with a downward header past Ederson. Um, when you saw that goal, Colin, were you kind of thinking to yourself, well, all of these, all, all of this chat about uh, Cancelo being the new left back for City might be a little bit premature? Um, yeah, I mean, I've watched it a few times. I actually didn't watch it live the first time. I listened on the radio then. Watched the highlights and I watched the full game again since. But, um, yeah. 
having listened on the radio, it sounded like Can- Cancelo was uh, had had um, been poor in that situation. Having watched it, I think he was a bit unlucky because he was, yeah, he was a bit static. But Rodrigo took took advantage of that quite well. I thought. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I you know, if you're going to blame someone for that, I, you you might put about forty percent of blame on Cancelo for that. Whatever. But it was still, there was still work to be done, even when Rodrigo got the ball to the byline. And uh, you know, when the ball came in, Laporte was ahead of Benzema. Fernandinho, and I think this is, this was his weakness, um, was behind him. He didn't get there in time, didn't get up to the header to put him off. And, and a player like Benzema, who was far and away, uh, Real Madrid's most effective player on the night. Well, that's not really saying much, but I mean, he was the, one of the ones, one of the few who came out of that game. Uh, with his head held high, um, he just pointed a header from the edge of the six-yard box past Edison. It was all quite straightforward for a player like that. Uh, so I wouldn't really. Cancelo was caught a bit flat-footed, that's for sure. But I what wouldn't you... say he was totally at fault for that. What were, what's your take on that, Ray? Was um, Cancelo um, skinned by Rodrigo? I wouldn't say he was skinned. I, th- I think he was. Look, every time um, there's a mistake, we. A lot of football fans want to look at the, a mistake or say, look, there's a goal being scored. Where was the mistake? And we seldom say, well, actually, that was a nice bit of play. Um, or it, it, it's, it's one of, sometimes I just say it's one of those things. Okay. He was caught maybe flat footed. Um, it happens. You've got, you know, good players and maybe he was, look, I think, looking to go inside following it, a, a man going inside. But these things happen. People, you know, Opposition players get to the byline. It happens. They dink across him. That happens. The fact is we had seven men back then. I think seven in our own penalty area. When that cross came in, they had three. Now, you know, you know, I'm getting on a bit, but even my maths tells me we have basically two, one of theirs. I was disappointed with Laporte because I felt he was looking at the ball and I would have liked him to look at where the danger was. The ball coming in, yes, that was going to pose some danger. But the, you know, Rodrigo crossing the ball in was not going to score. There was going to be somebody else behind him who was going to score. And I would have liked him in that position to have been a bit more side on so that he can see a little bit about what's going on. He's our leader. He's our, you know, world, so-called world-class uh, defender at the back. And you'd want him, I would have liked him to at least look to see what's going on and maybe shouted if he'd seen what was going on. And we ended up with, um, Fernandinho coming from the right-hand side to try and challenge uh, Benzema. And we had Rodrigo going backwards from his defensive midfield slot to try and t- uh, tackle Benzema. And I would have liked that to have been Laporte. I would have liked, you know, I don't know if it's just because of the position, the way everything was, Laporte was pulled out there and he couldn't. But I would have liked him to put a, a little bit more in there. Um, and Benzema should not be unmarked in the box. He shouldn't have been having a free header. Um, I think Edison was slightly unlucky because he was just trying to set himself. And when I think Benzema hit that ball, head of the ball, just fractionally before Edison got his feet down to set himself because he's moving around the line, you know, as, as uh, any goalkeeper would. And he just was fractionally late to have his feet planted to make the dive. Uh, and it was an e- in the end, it was an easy goal. But I, I don't just want to, like people, some people are saying, blaming Cancelo. And I, you've had some people who say, you know, look, Cancelo, you can see he's not worth uh, sticking with. He's not good enough. We need somebody else for one mistake. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't castigate the guy for one mistake. And I look at a lot of what he did going forward, which was so, so positive that no other fullback at City would do. Not even 
your Zinchenko, your Mendy or your Kyle Walker, they wouldn't do some of the stuff that Cancelo did going forwards um, down the pitch. So, you know, you've got to look at what he's done in, in the overall game than just say, well, look, he made a mistake because someone, because someone got a crossing. No, you know, you've got to give something to the other players as well and say, in the games of football, other teams will put crosses well, in. It happens. Well, guys, I think that that particular thread that Ray was pulling on about whether or not we should judge a player by one mistake or other is something that we we may return to in the later stages of this pod. But guys, um, City went in at the break 1-1, and in the midst of what we all know on Twitter and social media is very often a hive of toxicity, negativity, and basically your ability to block people. There was a funny comment by a guy called Ian Kopstek, who um, I think this has gone a little bit viral, if it's possible to go viral on Twitter, who said in the break, I'm rooting for the underdog, but in the absence of any, I'm gunning for Ipswich Town. <laughs> that was that was wonderful. But anyway, we got underway in the second half. In the first half, I think we were all impressed with City's discipline and vigour, especially in the press. And... Uh, we moved on, and we were looking to see something different. I don't know if you guys felt it, but I thought that probably around the 15-minute mark, Real Madrid seemed to be coming into it. And then we got a lot of comments on Twitter talking about the fact that Madrid own this competition. Obviously, they've won it, what is it, 13 times, mm-hmm. if, if, if that's correct. Yeah. And, um, and we were reminded, of course, about Pep's famous uh, comment in one of his books where he talked about light and heavy shirts, and what he means by that, guys, is that when the pressure's on and you need a result, uh, the shirt either weighs lightly upon you because you think that you deserve to be in that shirt, or it weighs heavy on you because you don't really believe that you are fit to be on this stage. On this stage, Colin, the first sort of fifteen twenty minutes of the second half, were you feeling nervous at all? Did you think that they would suddenly um, flip a switch and? go into monster mode at Real Madrid? Um, well, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you always worry about that because it's a fairly typical scenario, isn't it? You see teams uh, who've had a poor first half, even at the Etihad, they come out for 15, 20, 15 minutes, 20 minutes maybe. They're, you know, they're all full of running and pressing and aggression and, and then it kind of slips back to normal. I, I didn't think... Um, again, listening on the radio, they were suggesting that Real Madrid were on top uh, in the early part of the second half. Uh, having watched it, uh, it was about five, ten minutes, perhaps, when they, they did have a little bit of a spell, but when they put things together. Um, you know, Benzema had a few pops uh, a goal a couple of times. Edison had to make some saves, but um, we'd also changed things because we'd, we'd gone back to a more traditional front three with uh, Sterling on the left, Foden on the right. Uh, I'm not sure that was the right way around, to be honest. I might have seen it the other way around. But, and um, Gabby Jesus in the middle. So, so I think, again, <laughs> Madrid probably went in uh, and, and did something to counter the false nine, and then we came out and played a completely different game up front. Um, so yeah, they they had a little spell where they looked reasonably threatening, but I, I never thought they were particularly in control of the game, uh, heavily in control of the game at any particular point. Ray, let me just turn to you because um, most City fans who know me know that when it comes to Europe and the Champions League, I'm a famous big Jesse with um, nerves like a six-year-old girl. And on the 60th minute, I was really scared because um, Rodrigo, who was not being that effective in the second half, was replaced by Marco Marco Asensio, a player that I have long coveted for Man City. Guys, if you have a spare five minutes, 
the goals this guy has scored from the halfway line and just over it are sensational. He replaced Rodrigo, and I was expecting, you know, the earth to start shuddering. Didn't really happen, Ray. What did you think? I don't think it really happened because I think we were, as Colin said, we switched it around. We switched it around and we'd got um, Raheem on the left and Raheem was a terror. Uh, and, and it's one of my gripes I've had for the last uh, couple, of, couple of seasons is that we, we create so many chances. That was my only worry. Uh, the t- two worries I had, sorry, were that we create so many chances. If we'd walked away from this game, having won 4-1, 5-1, even 6-1, no one would have quibbled, really, because we cre- we did have that many chances. And very early on in the second half, I think, uh, was it KDB or Rodri put uh, Raheem through for a, a, an opportunity? We had a, other opportunities. Um, and I f- my only worry was we were creating so so much and Real weren't really. They had moments, but, you know, we were definitely um, the on-top side. Um, that was my only concern, that we were... You know, I was, I think I said it was once, it was our Achilles heel is having so many chances and not putting enough of them away. And that was my only concern. Real Madrid swapping things around. I don't really think it changed that much. You know, we were the in control side and we didn't need to score. They did. And as I said, for, for the odd glimpses of opportunities, they didn't really have that much. And I think we did genuinely control the game, uh, whilst creating plenty of chances. We learned a few minutes later, of course, if you're watching any um, footage that kept you up to date with the other game, then a few minutes later we learned that uh, Juventus went 2-1 up against Lyon with a Cristiano Ronaldo goal, and they were leading uh, 2-1, but obviously 2-2 on aggregate, but Lyon were going through on the on the away goal at that point. We didn't expect it to stay like that. But a couple of minutes later, I saw something that gave me a little bit of hope. We've obviously slagged off uh, Gabriel de Jesus, Speak for yourself. Um, on a, on a, on a, on a, well, okay, Ray, I will return to that, and I will dig up the comments. But anyway, a um, couple of minutes later was something very, very special. There was a moment that I remember where De Bruyne and Gundogan um, combined to find the aforementioned Mr. Jesus, and he dragged the, the ball away from Inter Militao in, in this sublime movement and lifted a shot that was just pushed over by Thibaut. And I was just asking Colin, Colin, at that moment, and that was a special moment, it's been replayed many times, but does that may- maybe make you think that, okay, he's not going to be a like-for-like replacement for, for Aguero, but we should keep this guy and make him the number two to whoever we bring in? Well, uh, no, he's, uh, we've always said he's not like-for-like for Aguero. Aguero is a clinical striker, but Gabriel Jesus, and I've said this so many times, he gives us something that Aguero doesn't give us. He gave us that he was so crucial to that game uh, in the amount of pressing he did. You know, we've seen Foden do it and we've seen him do it. And you often see him pop outside, just outside our area to, you know, to win the ball or to pressure whoever's in possession. Uh, and then he's up the field and away. And that was a great little moment because it was a brilliant bit. It was almost like a Rubinho bit of skill, wasn't it? That sort of. And guys, could I, could, I, could I just interject, um, Colin? Colin, do you have um, access to The Athletic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Have you read the article? Yeah. By um, Danny Taylor and the others about Robinho when he first came to City. Yes, yes. Oh, that's, that's that's beautiful, isn't it? Very good. It's very good. Um, okay, please continue. But anyway, yeah, but I mean that was that was yeah. Robinho, I think, was technically one of the most gifted players I've ever seen at City, if not the most gifted. And, did this and that did was... this goal remind you of the one that he scored against um, Arsenal? You know that goal where he just lifted it, lifted lost it, up. it. 
the, the the one against Arsenal, Ray. I think it was. What was it? His first or? Wasn't his first? I don't think. No, his first. He's got it. He's got his first goal against Chelsea from about. Almunia. Almunia was the goalkeeper, right? Yeah. And I thought this was similar, Colin. Are you talking, Mike? Are you talking about the shot he had that caught to our tip? I, I thought the we were talking no, about the shot I, he had. I've, 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 guys, I've, I've kind of moved on to the goal. All right, um, <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Well, well, that was um, that was only a few minutes later, actually. And I think when we talked about Real Madrid being in the game, once it got to just past the hour mark, we came back into it. And obviously, just before that, uh, Phil Foden had gone off, and Bernardo Silva came on. But but the goal came from really a most unusual move from our point of view, in that. Um, Rodri picked up the ball well in our half. And he was under a little bit of pressure, not a huge amount, but he just hoofed it forward, which, which is something we don't often do, rarely see do, unless you've absolutely got to. So it was quite unusual, and Varane seemed to have it comfortably covered, but he took one touch with a head, which wasn't a very good touch. He kind of, kind of sliced off his head to a little bit, but he still looked to have it under control. And he took a second header back to Courtois, uh, but he didn't quite have enough weight on it. And Gabby Jesus was in like a shot. Now, Courtois was out quickly. But somehow, Gabby Jesus almost curled that shot round Courtois. Don't know how he did it. But it was a fabulous piece of work. And and, and he thoroughly deserved that for the work he put in. That's why I'm asking Ray. Ray, was that not slightly rem- reminiscent no. of no. that uh, that goal? No, no, Ray, no. Ray always says no when I say. you flipped it over the goalkeeper's head. This is totally different. This was, uh, I mean, the way I saw it, or the way I saw it, I think was it Rodri hoofed it forward, but he took a pass, and the pass was um, quite high whilst he had a man on, and I just think it was an uh, uncomfortable height, and the, the sense, actually, the sensible thing to do was just launch it, and you know, I mean, if if I can. Uh, mention a team from down the East Lanks Road. Um, that was, that goal was almost Liverpool-esque. It was hoofed forward and chased. Yeah, Ver- Varane's first mistake was you don't let it bounce. You, you know, you get something on it, you get, you put it to safety or you try and head it back to the keeper. It, you know, whether it flicks off his head slightly, it, you don't let it bounce. And, and then the second header was too short. Courtois came out and I think Courtois has made a mistake here. He's come out, stand tall, Face the player, and he's kind of turned sideways, thinking Gabby Jesus might try and either take him on, you know, uh, go past him with the ball, or try and curl it in at the near post. And he's turned sideways, and Gabby Jesus put it uh, behind his back into the far post. It was just, it was incredible, and it was. I've got to be honest, most of this game for me was in slow motion. Every minute was that was passing. It felt like it was taking ten. That's how much. Uh, that's how nervous I was as that Gabby J uh, ball. You know, shot bounced in. I was just screaming and screaming and screaming. Just you know, we're letting it go over, and it was just fant- it was a fantastic moment because you you knew at that moment Real Madrid needed two goals, and it's unlikely if we had it, played with any uh, composure that they were going to get two goals because they well, didn't look like they were going to score. It was well, it was a it was a fabulously well taken goal. Well, guys, if you're if you're if you're a fan of this pod, you will know something that frequently occurs. Man City score a goal. And then Mike looks down his memory bank to compare that with some goal that he's seen before. Mike describes it in detail and, and begs <laughs> Ray for affirmation. And then Ray, in that thick Lancaster accent, just goes, no. No, no. Let me let me appeal to Ray one more time. Not about <laughs> the exactitude of the goal, but I'm talking about the deafness of Flick Ray. I'll now, give you that. Would you I'll not? You would that. you not think that that was that was comparable to that Robinho goal? Just that that arrogant flick. 
He will not give me this, guys. He never gives it to me. Rubinho's finish was impudent. It was cheeky. And he had time to think about it as well, didn't he? Yeah. Whereas Gabby J, Gabby J didn't have the time. You know, Rubinho was coming through with the ball, whereas Gabby J had to chase to meet it. And I think the difference was, for me, Rubinho's was impudent. He thought about it, yeah. He thought about it in the, in the half a second or a second before he, he did it. Gabby J didn't have time to think. Gabby J's was instinctive. It was instinctive to chase the ball, to fight hard, to work for it. And, and once he got there, just to stab it goalwards. And there is a bit of hit and hope in that because I still think if Courtois had stayed looking at the ball instead of turning sideways, he might have got something on that. He might have hit him in the midriff or something, but... Look, you know, full credit to Gabby J. Uh, you know, the, the effort he showed to get there, put Varane under pressure on a nothing ball, uh, and to make something out of nothing, you know, uh, at that moment that Varane headed the ball, you knew you could see it in his eyes. He wanted the ground to open up and swallow him. Gabby J did the business and, you know, he deserves an enormous amount of credit for the, uh, his performances in, in each leg because you've got to remember he was the one who got the equalizing goal in, uh, in, in uh, Madrid. And he's the guy who got um, Ramos sent off as well. So Gabby J, I mean, if you want a player of the of the two legs wow. of the tie, it's Gabby J. Hands down, I never doubted the kid. Well, he was winning our hearts, Colin. Coming up to the seventieth minute, we realised that Madrid need to score two now. And for the next five or six minutes, um, I don't know if you were expecting nervousness and all backs to the wall, but very often, Colin. For about the next 10 minutes, there were four on three attacks. And in fact, a couple of minutes later, we had a penalty appeal because of a tackle on Carvalho on Raheem. City fans were counting down the minutes. We saw it out, and it was a disciplined yeah. display. Yeah, I mean, straight after the goal, uh, we had an uncomfortable moment or two in our own penalty area where Real Madrid came straight back and we had to do a bit of desperate defending. But then a minute later, Varane gave it away again, we gave, and we had a four on three, which we should have done better. Uh, to be honest, Bernardo Silva took it, ended up taking a shot. Might have been better passing to, to Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, then we had the penalty shower, which no, no, I'm not, you know, there was a slight shove on, on Raheem Sterling. But uh, to use the old cliche, we've seen them given, we've seen them not given. Was it a clear and obvious error? Probably not. And I do think the referee had, despite all our concerns about it, had a relatively decent game. Then even Carl Walker, and, and we've got to talk about Carl Walker, I think, because he um, he was almost an extra midfield player. He he kept uh, in Hazard quiet to a large degree. Uh, while Cancelo had free reign to go up and down the wing, Carl Walker was tucked in a lot of the time, almost in a central midfield position. And again, he had an absolute storm of a game. 75 minutes, I've got no, uh, Real Madrid nearly gave it away again in their own area, uh, but City failed to take advantage, and, and they were absolutely, uh, apart from that little spell just after we scored, they were absolutely rocking on their heels at that point, uh, and they were done, and you, you could see that they were done, because we're actually stronger in those last 15 minutes than most other teams, I think, and I, I, I never thought we were in danger after that, any sort of danger. Colin, do you know much about Lyon? Well, I know they beat us twice, didn't they? But it would draw. Was it one draw, one said win? twice, but wasn't it one draw and one loss? Well, it was a draw and a loss, yeah. But uh, they've, well, they've we lost should, players since then. We should know enough not to um, take them lightly. Hmm. That's for sure. I know they have yeah. lost players since then. They've not had a particularly sparkling league season. It's the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and yeah, that's right. We we lost we lost at home to them. We managed to get a draw over there, and that was uh, just two years ago. Colin, I'm I'm glad I've got this opportunity because I've got I've had about thirty messages on Bolt from the Blue. 
since our last pod when I asked you guys to name players that you'd like to sign for Man City. And uh, a lot of them were on the same thing theme. And they said, Colin Savage wants us to sign Jamal Lewis and Ryan Fraser. Doesn't he have <laughs> ha- bigger eyes than that? How do you respond, Colin? Uh, funnily enough, I just saw something about Liverpool pulled out of signing Lewis, I think. Of what I've seen him in, he's a very decent left-back. And considering, you know, Mendy is our first choice there and he's got injury worries. Uh, you know, I've I seen, I, I, you know, I don't look at these, this with a professional eye, of course. I'm not a scout. But I think I've seen enough from Jamal Lewis to, to justify, you know, if you're spending 10 million quid on him, what have you got to lose? No, I get uh, that. Maybe as a backup to Mendy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like Ryan Fraser, rather well, than think, someone like Ferran Torres. Well, we, we signed Torres anyway. I'd still like to get. I think Fraser's a very clever player, very an our sort of player, player who can do something in a tight space. Perhaps you know. I, 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 defend, I defended you, Silver, Colin. But. I defended you, and I said that what Ray would love to do is emulate Liverpool when they uh, dug up um, Robertson and yeah. people like that, and didn't because it's I explained that. Colin is all about the money, you know. He he understands value for money, and um, I think that's probably. I think that you're you're Colin. You're probably envious of the way that Liverpool dug up these diamonds from lower leagues, aren't you? Yeah, when we used to do that, when we didn't have to think so much about the money, we we dug up uh, Vincent Company, Pablo Zabaleta. We paid next to nothing for them, you know, in, in modern day terms. And the two legends of the club, you know, you. you you just couldn't find two better guys. They've always said, I'd, I'd like to see us, and I know we sign a lot of young players, almost lose track of that, but I'd like to see us sign a player who we could mould within a season into a first-team player who's got first-team experience, uh, you know, for 10, 20 million quid, in the same way that uh, Leicester found Mares, for example. You know, we paid 60 million for Mares. Could we have got him for 3 million, you know, a couple of seasons at before Leicester did. Uh, and we've got this huge scouting operation. Um, you know, we've got, um, we've got all the technology we need. And I'd, I'd love to see us signing, de- you know, decent players who are near, near our level ready. Not, you know, you're not going to find, t- uh, you know, I'm talking about someone like Jamal Lewis, who could potentially be turned into a good, very good left back at, at well, our it, level. It seems you're spent, right because, you know, uh, and if, if he doesn't, you, you've spent 10 million. You know, well, you could buy I, four I, players. I think if one of them works out. You're probably right, because uh, since then, it turns out that Jamal Lewis is being coveted by the usual suspects in Germany, like Dortmund, Leipzig, and yeah, yeah. people like this. So, um, Colin, let me hit you with a few names that I, you know, going along with your train of thought, I'm interested in. Um, do you know this guy, uh, Brooks, that, Liverpool, Brooks, yeah, that, that oh. Liverpool were sniffing around? Um and the other one would be Todd Cantwell. Do you think they would be in, uh, worth investing in? That's what you can get them for, isn't it? I mean, uh, David Brooks is a former trainee at City, of course, uh, Bournemouth. Todd Cantwell at uh, Norwich. Uh, yeah, there was word, um, rumours suggesting we were interested in him. I've not quite seen... I don't know. I mean, I look at Cantwell and I perhaps see another Jordan Henderson. And I don't mean to be rude to Jordan Henderson, but that's not our sort of player. 